The Athletic. Totally Football Show, the European one. Today, why Kylian Mbappé rhymes with unhappy. And does he no longer want Neymar as his neighbour? Italy and Spain are underway with Berlusconi back and Barca blanking. And the Bundesliga, where English teens are the one thing we can export to the continent. All those topics and more discussed in this Totally Football Show. Tuesday, 16th of August, everybody. Woo! Thank you so much for joining us. It's another rip-roaring Euro roundup featuring your friends and mine. James Horncastle. Hello, James. Hello. Julian Laurence. Bonjour. Bonjour. Alvaro Romeo. Buenos dias, James. And where's Raphael Honigstein? Raphael! It's on his way. Raphael Honigstein. Listen, I'm so sorry. Uh, we'll hear from Raphael Honigstein shortly. Everybody have a good weekend. James, City, I got back underway. Nice. It did. And it was exciting. Lots of goals, James. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw Juventus score three on Monday night. Fiorentina oh, yeah. score three on Sunday. We saw Milan score four. Napoli score five. Nice. So exciting stuff in, in a summer when they've all sold their centre-backs. You know, Delict, Koulibaly. They wanted to sell Skriniar. Um, it's, just, it's just rich pickings for, for strikers. Yeah, lovely stuff. Alvaro, La Liga has begun too. Yeah, and uh, there are seven players who probably wanted to play that didn't play because Betis mm. couldn't register six players, Barcelona couldn't register yet, Jules Koundé. But it was exciting though, very exciting. Okay, and I what... think that this season we're going to have a really good fight for the fourth spot. For fourth spot, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> all right. Excellent news. Excellent news. Okay, let's kick off with a bit of moment of the weekend because, listen, friendly, you've got other things to be getting on with. Don't want to take up too much of your day. Uh, James, your moment of the weekend, please. My sympathies go out to Yonat Radu, James. Oh, You're yeah. not going to believe it, but the Romanian goalkeeper who cost into the title, he'd gone out on loan to Cremonese to kind of resurrect his career. And in stoppage time in Florence, he essentially caught a cross and then fell into his own net. And inadvertently scored the winning goal for Fiorentina, which cost for Cremonese their first points in Serie A in more than 20 years. Yeah, not a good day for, for Radu, and uh, you just you know hope he's going to be able to come back from this. Yeah. Or, or maybe, you know, take a look at his line of work. One appearance last season, cost into the title. One appearance so far this season. <laughs> Didn't go too well either. Alvaro, your moment of the weekend. Well, I would like to single out a player from Osasuna this time. I've never done it before. His name is Aymar Oroz, and uh, he's a player who is considered uh, to be one of the best uh, prospects of Tajonar, Osasuna's academy. Well, the other day... Uh, not only he played his uh, second game in La Liga, definitely he got his first start, but against Sevilla, uh, he gave all his passes were good. Uh, he didn't miss a single one, 22 in the game. And not only that, he scored a winning goal for Los Rojillos after taking a penalty. Chimi Avila wanted to take it too, but uh, this guy, Aymar Oroz, a very young guy, 20 years old, said, no, no, I'm taking it. He did take it, he scored it, and Osasuna got the winner thanks to him. So it was mm. a fantastic night for him on Friday. 
All right, penalty controversy. I wonder if we hear any more of that kind of thing in today's show. Raphael Honigstein's with us, everybody. Hello, Raphael Honigstein. Woo! Hello, 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 hello. Good morning. Hi, Rafa. Hi. Give us a moment of the weekend, why don't you? Moment of the weekend occurred early on Friday night. Uh, Dortmund were one nil down against Freiburg, one of those games that Dortmund loved to lose. And then they brought on a super sub, James. Jamie Beino Gittens. In diesem Spiel, auch wenn der BVB ein paar Möglichkeiten hatte. Beino Gittens aus der zweiten Reihe. Er rutscht Flecken durch. Und er ist drin, der Ausgleichstreffer für den BVB in der 77. Minute. Ein Young Englishman, Teenager, the latest in the long production line. He unleashed a shot, which wasn't actually that good. But Mark Flecken in goal somehow tried to punch it and catch mm-hmm. it at the same time, and it looped over his head into the goal. Not only was this his first goal, but also the starting point of a spirited Dortmund comeback, and they won 3-1, Ooh. thanks to another pre-assist from Bayern Gittens and a fine goal from Mukoko. Mm. And so the win that suddenly makes people believe, oh, maybe it can be different this year with Dortmund. Absolutely, I believe. All right, uh, we'll be talking about the Bundesliga later on. Jules, though, your moment of the weekend. Uh, has to be the penalty gate again. Uh, penalty gate second uh, after the one between Neymar and Cavani in 2017-2018. This time is Mbappe and Neymar arguing of a, a second penalty that Mbappe missed the first one. This is the second. They argued. Uh, and Mbappe is very grumpy. He's very grumpy through the whole match. And now that's all people talk about in Paris. Mm, so we're going to talk about next on this Totally Football Show European edition too. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The penalty, Neymar, with this course, si symptomatique, les petits pas, il s'est arrêté, il frappe le contre-pied, encore une fois, parfait, c'est incroyable, il fait toujours la même chose, et il prend toujours les gardiens à contre-pied. All right, so Kylian Mbappé. Paris Saint-Germain this weekend missed the penalty wanted to take another gave up in disgust when he didn't get the pass on the counter bumped into Messi and wants to force Neymar out (laughs) crikey Jules what's going on that's right we're only two weeks in the season and already we've got all that controversy and and drama the the rule set by Christophe Galtier was Mbappé is the number one penalty taker Mm-hmm. And then Neymar is the number two, which means that if Mbappé is not on the pitch anymore or if the foul was on him, then Neymar can take the penalty. Uh, that's where the confusion is because Mbappé missed the first penalty and then there's a second penalty 20 minutes later. So Mbappé thinks, I'm still on the pitch, the foul is not on me, so I'm still the penalty taker here. But Neymar grabbed the ball straight away, uh, put the ball on the spot. Mbappé comes and have a few words with him for five seconds and you can clearly see that Neymar is not even listening. Takes the pen, scores. And what made it even worse is that later that night, Neymar liked uh, two tweets from some of his fans Mm. saying that he should be the number one taker, blah, 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 the usual stuff, which makes people at the club really, really unhappy. So on Sunday, Luis Campos, the sporting director, called them both into his office and told them off like in the school playground, like if he was a teacher. Excellent. Did he have any words for Kylian Mbappé about how he gave up? on that moment when he didn't get the ball from Virginia yeah. and just basically threw his arms up in disgust and walked, turned around while the move continued without him. Had he proceeded upfield, he would have maybe been perfectly placed to try and score. Just mm. an extraordinary... For, for not just a player, but a player with supposedly such responsibility at the club to be so egotistical. Extraordinary. Yeah. 
Yeah, crazy. Uh, I think that shocked a lot of people far more than the, the penalty gate, really. Uh, Campos, who, who obviously met Kylian and knows Kylian since he was 14, and they have that kind of really strong relationship. I think he's probably the only one with, with Mbappé's dad to be able to say to him when he messed up or when he did something wrong. And that's certainly what he said to him on Sunday, that he, he just could, cannot behave like this. I think Mbappé has had... A difficult week off the field uh, leading to the game on Saturday and, and I think certainly that's what his people are explaining why he felt so grumpy and why he didn't celebrate his goal, for example, or why clearly he, the, something looked wrong, clearly, even before the penalty gate and before that incident, just before the break as well. So we don't know exactly what, what it is, what happened in the week before the game. But they said that he was not himself, really. But yeah, Campos had some strong words, both for both of them, but for Kylian as well on, on the attitude that he saw on the pitch on Saturday night. Could it be Jules that he's found it really hard to combine the playing with the sporting director job and signing <laughs> players and selling players? It's, it's, it's a difficult time in the window now. It is for him. You know, he's, he must be really, really busy. His phone keep, must keep ringing, you know, from agents and agencies yeah. and, and he players. He just can't sell Neymar. He just exactly. can't do it. So... What what is how real is the story uh, that he wants Neymar out? Neymar, of course, have played so well with Messi, with Mbappe absent in the, the previous mm. weekend's game. And by the way, uh, in amongst all this, Paris Saint Germain did win uh, this weekend. What was it? Five two. Five two. Yeah, and played really, really well again. Yeah, um, but there's the suggestion that where once Mbappe, and obviously I'm saying this as a complete insider in the PSG uh, dressing room, but yeah, where once. Mbappe and Neymar were best buds. Now it's yeah. very much Neymar and Messi who rekindled their Barcelona friendship. Yeah, I think there's a bit of that. They were close in 2017 when they, they moved there the, the same summer. And then I think, especially in the last two years, two and a half years, they kind of drifted away a little mm. bit. Now the bromance is very much Hakimi and Mbappe. Messi, the Messi and Neymar reunion is quite strong indeed. I think Kylian got really, really annoyed with the lack of discipline from Neymar, especially last season under Pochettino, so all the timekeeping, all the, all the things that we know. And I think in the same way, I think Neymar got very surprised by all the powers that Mbappe was given by this mm. new contract in, in May and through the summer. And I think that's where, I think they, they respect each other, but you don't have to be super, super friends to, to play well with each other and, and things like that. Mm. But I think this is where maybe the... The danger is a little bit is that they kind of both have a bit of beef against each other. I don't think Mbappe asked. To sell, well, I know Mbappe didn't ask the club to sell Neymar, mm. but I think when people at the club said we feel that maybe it's the right time now to to let Neymar go, mm -hmm. I just don't think Mbappe was against it and like fought fought to keep his his teammate within the club. Have you seen that lovely clip of training where the players yeah. have to do yeah. a little move in twos and? They're lined up and it's basically Neymar's turn with Mbappe. And Mbappe, they have to kind of hold hands at the start. Mbappe puts his hands up and Neymar completely blanks him. And the training assistant runs in and grabs yeah. Mbappe's hands to kind of ease through the moment. And they run off and then Messi comes up and he does it with Neymar instead. And they yeah, go off clearly, happily. Yeah, clearly Neymar was waiting for for Messi to arrive to do that mm. little drill. It's not even a drill, it's like warming up where you, you, know, you, you, you put on your arms to get your legs going and stuff like that. Um, it's true, I think, that, name, that Messi has changed the dynamic between them two as well, but also on the pitch, in the sense that this is just, just one football, of course, for the three of them. And we saw when, when Mbappe missed the, the French Super Cup and then the, the first league game, how, how great Messi and Neymar got on with each other on the pitch with the ball. 
I don't know how they will share the ball with Mbappe, but it'd be very interesting to see. We saw a bit on Saturday, although I think Messi was was directing the whole thing pretty well. But the game against Lille on Sunday night away would be tougher and it'd be interesting to see the dynamic there between the three of them. Mm. Good luck, Christophe Gauthier, sorting that out. In the meantime, 5-2 this weekend. Paris Saint-Germain, the first team to score at least five goals in each of their first two games of a Ligue 1 season since the early 1960s. Clermont and this weekend, Montpellier. The fifth goal, by the way, scored by Renato Sanchez. Is he good again, Jules? He's good again. He came on. I mean, he's a bit lucky on, if you haven't seen the goal, the way he hits it, he kind of hits his standing leg as well. It's a bit lucky, but still, he was in the right position. The, the cross by Nuno Mendes is a good one as well. And I think, yeah, he will, he will get game time. They're really hopeful that he stays fit this season and he, he becomes either a super sub maybe, which is probably the, the position, that, the role that they see for him more, especially more when Fabian Ruiz will arrive, which is very soon now. Uh, because there will be a lot of competition for those places. But yeah, it'd be very interesting to, to see what he can do off the bench, especially especially when the, the, the opposition is, is stronger than Montpellier, to be fair, because Montpellier were not, were not very good on Saturday. Okay. And probably Ander Herrera will leave PSG very soon as well. I, I, I'm very happy to drive him anywhere he wants to go. <laughs> well, he, he, he's, he's coming to us. For, yeah, yeah, yeah please. <laughs> please, yeah. I drive him to Bilbao. PSG flying then at the start of this new league uh, season. Let's see, how's their competition doing? Uh, ooh, Lille, Monaco, Marseille and Nice all drawing this weekend. And Monaco, this of course straight after their elimination last week from the Champions League qualifying rounds at the hands of PSG. Second season in a row they'll be missing out on the big one. Yeah, PSV were, were good. Remember we were on stage in, in Manchester during the That's game. That's right. They came really close and really they should have they should not have let that one go. Uh, it happens. They reacted well against Rennes because they were 1-0 down and down to 10 men as well after Fofana was sent off quite harshly by the referee. And Brilliant Bolo, who obviously is one of their best signings from the summer, who was really good in that game, really helped the team with 10 men, scored the equaliser, which I think for, for the momentum and the confidence of Monaco, it was a huge draw. In the end, against the team, Renda will fight with them to finish in the top three. So, good result in the end for what was a really tough week. Okay. Who's the, who, who do you think is the most credible challenger for, for second, Jules, this season? Well, I, you know, Marseille had a really good start and then they were, they were very average against Brest on Sunday away from home. They got lucky with the points and I think Tudor has a lot of work to do. It was the debut for Alexis Sanchez, mm. who obviously arrived as well um, last weekend, played the second half was quite quiet, but I think he will need a bit of time to get to know the rest of the team, integrate himself and also be match fit. Uh, but yeah, Marseille should be there really. And Lyon didn't play this weekend because, I mean, from, I, I don't think I've ever heard a, a game being postponed because of a music festival, but that's what happened. Lorient had five days of music festival, uh, Celt Celtic, Celtic festival, mm -hmm. Celtic music. Probably Philippe Auclair headlining. Yeah, I'm sure he was there. Uh, but not the best of ideas when you've got a heat wave and obviously a football match being played there five days later. So the pitch was really wrecked. And Lyon, I think, saw the opportunity there to postpone the game, not play, have a weekend off, uh, which they welcomed, of course, put pressure on the league to postpone the game, which Lorient were not happy with. And in the end, we obviously didn't see that Lorient-Lyon game. OK. Uh, have we seen the last of Hussam Ua for Lyon? And what will he bring to Nottingham Forest Jules to finish? Yeah, I think we have. I think we have. He, he's got one year left on his contract, so it made sense for, for Lyon to, to let him go. It might come a bit of a surprise that he's at Forest, considering that he had offers before from, from Man City and from Arsenal, those kind of clubs. 
But this is this is the market for him right now because he had a very average last year, last season, between the injuries that he had and the poor performances that he put together. But he's on his day, he's an amazing creative player with great technical ability. He's a, he's a good kid. He just needs, I think, to kind of resurrect his career a little bit. Let's hope that Forrest can, can do that for him. If he does make the move, he'll be joining alongside Remo Freuler, uh, James. A word on what he can bring to the city ground. Yeah, Supremo. As, uh, he was known in Bergamo. Someone who is uh, very popular uh, amongst fans. Uh, Jules will remember that uh, PSG were able to come back against Atalanta in that Champions League quarterfinal during lockdown because uh, they'd used up all their subs. Freuler then got injured and Atalanta lost their Pac-Man in the middle of the pitch. Um, and uh, what Marquinhos and Chupa Moting scored stoppage time goals to to knock out uh, the dare. But yeah, someone who is uh, very emblematic of that hard-running style that Gasparini imposed. You know, Atlanta played the closest equivalent, I would say, of Premier League football um, in Serie A for the last five years. Um, and he was the kind of beating heart of that. Um, so uh, I think it's exactly what Forrest need from what I've been told. Not the first time he's had an offer to come to the Premier League. Brighton were, were seriously considering him a couple of years ago. Uh, but now he's here. And um, yeah, will Forrest stop signing players? Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. Uh, it's, it's, yep. it's a remarkable transfer window. Um, so let's, let's, let's see. Still two weeks to go. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. A little more Euro chat to come. And up next, indeed... We'll be talking about City Air. Hello, I'm Ian Irving, host of the Athletics Manchester United podcast, Talk of the Devils. Join me, Andy Mitten, Laurie Whitwell and Carl Anker every week, but particularly this week, as we gear up to the huge Liverpool game at Old Trafford on Monday night. We'll preview that match without paying any reference to our meeting with our rivals from last season, of course, and we'll also assess the latest twists and turns in Manchester United's roller coaster of a summer transfer window. You won't get better insight on United anywhere else, and as you'll find, you won't get better cocktails chat either. Just search for Talk of the Devils wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. So they are back with a bang. And the Belusca. It's a big wins, as you mentioned, James, for Napoli, Milan, Juve, a little bit tighter for Inter and Roma. What caught your eye this weekend? Well, you mentioned Silvio. He was mm. in the stands with uh, Adriano Galliani. Um, the tandem who'd been in charge of AC Milan for a quarter of a century, won everything, um, Champions League, what, five times uh, whilst they were there. Um, now with Monza, which is just down the road from Berlusconi's estate, um, Galliani uh, was taken to, to watch Monza play when he was a five-year-old by his mother. Um, and they've got the team up from the third division to Serie A for the first time in their history. So it was their first uh, ever game uh, against Torino and it was quite a contrast because you've got Monza who've been like Nottingham Forest in Serie A by signing 
pretty much anyone and everyone. 13 new players since the beginning of uh, the transfer window. And then you've got Torino, who's sporting director and coach, had a blazing row, an altercation in a car park in Austria um, because Torino weren't signing anybody. Um, and that altercation led to some new signings uh, over the next few days. And those new signings were very good for Torino away in Monza um, as, they, as they won 2-1. And yeah, a bit of a surprise really because um, Torino have lost the best defender in the league, Gleison Bremer, who joined uh, Juventus. Uh, their captain and top scorer, Andrea Bellotti, is still without a club um, at this moment in time. Um, but, uh, yeah, they look like they could be a team that pushes into the European places, um, given how well coached they are. So uh, that was fun. Um, but, the goal, uh, the goal from Sanabria. What, Sanabria, what a... yeah. Oh. Oh. S- scissor kick into an open goal. Um <laughs> But it was the way he flew at the post. I mean, the ball across is pretty special, but yeah, the venom with which he flew into the air to dispatch that opportunity. Uh, anyway, uh, you mentioned the howler of the round, which came in Florence in that 3-2 win for Fiorentina over Cremonese. Luka Jovic scoring on his Fiorentina debut there. We saw Romelu Lukaku just 90 seconds into his return to Inter, uh, finding the back of the net. In a 2-1 victory away at Lecce, which uh, the winning goal came late though for Inter. Corner da destra, deviazione sotto porta. E il vantaggio dell'Inter. Il vantaggio dell'Inter ha segnato Dufris. All'ultimissimo respiro, as they say, at the very last gasp. Um, and yeah, it was Denzel Dumfries um, who, who came on. Dumfries has been linked with a move to Chelsea throughout the, the transfer window. Um, Inter haven't really been able to raise a lot of money uh, this summer, which they have to do to kind of, you know, sort of pay down debts, balance the books. Um, and, um, and Dumfries, again, showing why he's he's kind of a classic Intagi player. But yeah, it wasn't an easy game for, for, for Inter. And I think this was one of the themes of the, the first weekend. Um, the newly promoted sides, with the exception of the one everyone's been hyping up, Monza, uh, did really well. Um, so, uh, yes, Lecce went behind early to Inter, but in the, the start of the second half, they were really very good um, and uh, got on level terms. And their goalkeeper, Vladimir Falcone, um, who uh, famously was a child star um, in Italy, he was uh, in one of those Carlo Verdone films um, as a baby. Um, he put in a fantastic performance, really frustrated Inter. Um, and yeah, you could see Inzaghi on the sidelines, uh, his white Montclair shirt drenched with sweat. Mm. Um, and he, yeah, he was desperate in, in some respects because he had to put on Jeko. So Jeko, Lukaku and Lautaro were all playing together, put on Joaquin Correa, put on Dumfries, um, just to try and beat this newly promoted side. And in the end they did. But um, Inzaghi making some quite pointed comments afterwards saying... Um, you know, when I pick up the newspapers in the morning and I read that Juventus are signing players and Milan are signing players and Roma are signing players and we have to sell players, uh, it doesn't make me smile. Um, so just a bit of a, a, a glimpse into the inner turmoil um, that uh, that is still going on at, uh, at Inter, who uh, many people have still made favourites for, for the title.
So all five of the all five of the title candidates, if we can call them five, Milan, Napoli, Juve, Inter, and Roma, um, were victorious this weekend. What's your feeling? I thought Milan looked uh, good on on Saturday night. Um, they have a lot of positive vibes around them, uh, and I, I, I think. Their run really from February last year to the end of the season, it, it felt like it was the beginning of something rather than uh, the, the team peaking um, because of Kalulu's emergence, because of Leao um, going to another level. And I think the signings that they've made, um, okay, they took a while to actually happen, but they, they could be very good. I mean, the criticism of Milan last year was that they did score enough goals. Uh, and on the opening day, they scored four. And that was a team without uh, Giroud starting. It was a, a team without Origi starting. De Ketelaer, the big signing, only came on for the final 20 minutes. So it was four goals really scored by the, the team of last year. So there's a lot more to come from Milan. Mm, OK. Well, a lot more to come from you, James, as the City Our season progresses. And if, if you're wondering where Galazzo Live is, listener, end of the month, we'll be back, bringing you top City Our action from City Our. Next up on this Totally Football Show, meantime, La Liga. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Hi, Liga, Avro. There are 37 games left, so there is yep. a lot of Liga, yeah, James? Yeah, right. there's a lot of it. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned that Barcelona managed to register almost all of their new signings. This after pulling another lever. Do you want the details, listener? No, probably not. They sold off a bit more of their future. That kind of thing. But for all the new signings that they did manage to field, how did it go for them on the opening weekend? They couldn't beat Rayo Vallecano. Uh, this sounds like news, but at the same time, last season, the same thing happened twice in the league. And uh, after losing to Rayo Vallecano uh, back in autumn 2021, um, Ronald Kuman, the Dutch guy for use, was sacked. So, you know, Rayo Vallecano hasn't been an easy opponent for Barcelona, but this time, 
after what Barcelona did against Pumas in Trofeo Joan Gamper, beating them easily, after all the signings, uh, after Lewandowski being able to be registered, it looked like uh, it was going to be a feast for Barcelona, perhaps, at least uh, the optimistic I would see it that way, but uh, Barcelona couldn't win. Uh, Lewandowski got the uh, gold um, overturned, and uh, I would say that uh, Barcelona showed that they had many problems in midfield, they had very good attackers, and Rafinha had a very refreshing start for Barcelona, then Bele was uh, busy, as usually, an agitator, but then in midfield Barcelona didn't generate a lot of uh, good football, and I think that, that cost Barcelona. Uh, some mistakes from the last year uh, happened again. Uh, I think that the team is very dependent on Pedri. When Pedri is not having a good game, Barcelona suffers. Busquets was a bit slow, he wasn't off, uh, and Busquets is not getting any younger. And then uh, maybe Xavi with the substitutions didn't help the team because he changed the formation. Perhaps he put uh, too many attackers and uh, Frankie de Jong in a position that is not his. Uh, but still, Frankie managed to show his quality because playing pretty much as a centre-back for the last 10 minutes, he was capable, capable of leaving the pressure behind and running with the ball, just pushing forward. But yeah, it was a slightly disappointing for Barcelona, of course. There is still some work to do. And the nil-nil against Rayo, well, I think that it was a fair result because Rayo was a very good team. How complete is it? You mentioned there being work to do, and there's still suggestions that they are going to make further signings. Is is that what you think is going to happen? And if so, will they actually be the areas that they need? I mean, for example, some people mention the weaknesses at the back, full backs, those kind of positions. Are those yeah. the kind of areas that they're looking to strengthen? Well, they would like to get Marcos Alonso, and mm. I guess that Marcos Alonso is the next in the line, but at the same time, they have to... Uh, reach an agreement with La Liga about registering players because the next one to be registered is Jules Koundé and mm. it would be really weird to sign Marcos Alonso without having registered Jules Koundé yet. Uh, it looks like Memphis is going to be the next sacrifice player and uh, probably will go to Juve. Uh, Frankie de Jong, of course, he will be the best money maker for Barcelona because easily you can get 50 million for this player. And uh, you get the feeling that Barcelona in this market, they have strengthened the team, but maybe they have overindulged themselves a little bit in certain positions because they got themselves Lewandowski and Lewandowski clearly improves any side in the world but Barcelona had Aubameyang they got themselves Jules Koundé but they had Christensen already so those are very good signings again they improved the side but Barcelona needed to reinforce the fullback positions because Jordi Alba doesn't have a good deputy yet. Let's see if Valde can be that man, uh, the youngster from La Masia. Then Serginho Dest wasn't even in the squad uh, to play the game against uh, Rayo and Barcelona resorted to Sergi Roberto in the right back, Araujo in the right back. But uh, those are players that uh, are playing there because there is no one else better than them playing as a, as a right back, but naturally they are not right back. So you get the feeling that Barcelona needs to strengthen the fullback positions. And probably if you ask Xavi, if you could sign a player, who mm. would you sign? From all the ones that uh, you know are in, in the surroundings of Barcelona rumorology, he will say Bernardo Silva, for sure. Because mm. he has spoken, Xavi, about uh, the deficiencies of uh, the positional game of, of Gavi of Frenkie de Jong, and Bernardo Silva obviously doesn't have these deficiencies. But to sign Bernardo Silva will involve a big sacrifice from Barcelona, and that will be probably Frenkie de Jong. Mm. All right, well. Meantime, out on the football pitch, Real Madrid were victorious this weekend, although it was a bit of a struggle, wasn't it, away at Almeria? 
It, it was, but I think that Real Madrid can afford it, especially after winning another title last Wednesday against uh, Frankfurt. Uh, they played without that uh, Bermuda triangle map of Real Madrid that we all know, Casemiro, Modric, Tony Cruz, uh, Chuameni played, Camavinga played uh, all together with Tony Cruz. Uh, They were all right. I think that Chouameni uh, is in the process of adaptation, but we do know that Ancelotti is going to give him plenty of uh, playing time, as he said in the post-conference after the game. Rudiger started for Real Madrid as well. He was all right, but I think that Almeria played a very good game and sometimes they made Real Madrid suffer a lot. But uh, Real Madrid ended up winning it with a goal from Lucas Vázquez and another one from David Alaba. And I would like mm. to uh, single out David Alaba because he had, not only he scored the screamer, a beautiful free kick, um, he also came on to the pitch because David Ancelotti, um, Carlo Ancelotti's assistant, his son, uh, as soon as the free kick was um, called by the referee, he told Carlo Ancelotti, put David Alaba right now on the pitch because we have here... Uh, a little bit of time to do it. So basically, he took David Alaba to the pitch just to score that goal. So it was a very clever decision and uh, we couldn't take any merit away from the assistant coach of Carlo Ancelotti because thanks to uh, that substitution, Real Madrid scored a goal. David Alaba scored a beautiful goal. And uh, then just to finish with Real Madrid, Marco Asensio didn't play again. He didn't play in the European Super Cup. He didn't play this time at Almeria and he hasn't featured yet. This season, um, his contract runs in 2023. Real Madrid wouldn't be too unhappy to sell him. And um, back in April, uh, he signed a contract with George Mendes, a new agent for Marco Asensio. So I'm sure that George Mendes is capable of finding a club for Marco Asensio. Okay, George Mendes busy with that one. Uh, Matisse Cunha, is this true? Is a target for Manchester United? Is that right, Alvaro? Of, has been it was reported by a very good uh, person, that's for sure. It's, oh, it was you, Jules. <laughs> it was you. Ah, OK, let's hear the quote. This, uh, this is the tweet. Matez Cunha is a target for Manchester United, according to my sources in Spain. Jules. That's right. Look at you um, with your sources in Spain. What did they I say? Th- they said that he's on the short list for Manchester United. I mean, he's a, he's a press monster. How short is that list? Uh, it's quite Not long. that short. No, it's not that short. He's... I mean, just the way he presses and runs, that would be much better than anything they have right now. So I'm not surprised he's on that short list and, and that Ten Hag kind of like him. Um, the thing is, there's, there's obviously a lot of competition at Atletico Madrid. If you look at all the forwards that they have between Angel Correa and Griezmann and Joao Felix and Morata and Cunha, um, and he only came on for the last five minutes or seven minutes in the winner against Getafe on Monday night, for example. So he knows that he's, he's not going to play much there. And that if he wants to make the, the Brazil squad for the World Cup, then he will have to play more. So he's quite keen on going. But but he will cost you between 40 and 50 million, which is a lot of money. But he's only 23. I think he's he, he was really good for Erta. Last season, he, he was really good as a super sub, I thought, for Atletico. Not so much as when he started, but when he came off the bench, he had a good impact, usually. So he's an interesting player, for sure. Hmm. My sources, Jules, my sources say that this story isn't really worth the time we've just spent on it. But we're, we'll my find source, out, I guess. My source is better than yours. So. What are your favourite Spanish sources? <laughs> Bacon. <laughs> Aioli. Aioli. Aioli, yeah, Rafa, 100%. Although yeah, I've been told that it's Catalan, not Spanish, so I have to be careful. Okay, interesting. I thought that was French, Aioli. Like from Marseille area. Really? Yeah. I think they mm. claim it to be theirs. They claim everything anyway. So. Yeah, but you're from Paris, Jules, so exactly. you surely will be I saying it's Catalan. Less. 
Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what why I'm don't saying. we ask the Spaniard amongst us, Alvaro? <laughs> I, I'm a bit lost with the Alioli reference that uh, Rafa has done right now. I don't know. It was Catalan, really. I really? have no idea. Oh, Basque, yeah. probably it, not. What? Who come on, Basque invented tapas. What? What's your favorite sauce? Mm, that's very good. I think that my favorite one, really, and it's the most uh, niche one, is mojo picon from the Canary Islands. Oh, it's beautiful that one. I recommend it to everyone. What is it? Uh, it's some sort of uh, very, I would say, peppery tomato sauce, spicy yeah. as well. You nice. have it with patatas, oh, and yeah. it's uh, really it's top. Yes, mm. it's a top sauce. I should say that I have a sauce for this aioli sauce. <laughs> Albert Ferrer told me yesterday that it's Catalan. Oh, yeah? He knows what he's talking about then. So. Ah. Very good. Uh, oh, uh, Alvaro, just before we conclude on La Liga, you promised us a exciting race for fourth place. Is it a race that's going to be dominated by Valencia with their sexy new manager, Gennaro Gattuso? Well, I, I don't think so, but uh, oh. if Valencia needed some electricity, they needed to have someone that can resurrect you, like a good spoonful of uh, mojo picon, that Canarian sauce. Mm. And uh, Gennaro, Gennaro Latuso can be that man, for sure. I remember in summer, in the first press conference he had before media, a journalist asked him, are you a nice cat or a furious lion? And I think that uh, the journalist, the reporter, could afford the question like this to Gennaro Gattuso because it was the first day. And Gennaro Gattuso told him, ask me in a month time and I will show my true identity. Uh, you know, Valencia kind of played with... What do you ask in Spanish press conference? Are you a nice cat or a furious lion? <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, I say this having just spent cats, five minutes like talking yeah, about Spanish we... sources, but yeah. That, that, that was a weird one. I think that it uh, lifted the mood a little bit mm. in Valencia. But having Gennaro Gattuso is good for Valencia. This is all I'm saying because... You know, he's a man who is not uh, just happy with uh, having enough. He wants to have more. And uh, the problem with Valencia is that they offloaded last week uh, Gonzalo Guedes. And, um, you know, they have lost a very important player who scored 11 goals in La Liga last season. But then they got up front two Samus, Samu Castillejo, uh, Samuel Lino. I think that they, they played well for Valencia the other day. Carlos Soler scored the goal. Hopefully he will stay because his contract expires in 2023. And Valencia is in selling mode. And, um, you know, generally speaking, Nico had a decent debut coming out from the bench. Uh, Loani from Barcelona. So... You know, I think Valencia will be competitive. Uh, they reached the Spanish Cup final last season, but I don't think that they will do the necessary points to qualify fourth. However, Betis and especially Villarreal are here my candidates to remove Sevilla from the fourth spot because I think Sevilla is showing some very negative signs in 2022, especially away from home. Uh, they lost to Osasuna in the first game. And Betis, that they haven't registered six players, but hopefully they will, with mm. Fekir, by the way, playing fantastically against Telche and with Juanmi scoring two goals and Borja Iglesias scoring one, both of them dreaming of playing the World Cup with Spain. I think that they have a chance if Oyarzabal uh, doesn't come back. Betis, and especially Villarreal, which beat Valladolid 3-0, I think that they are the teams that could definitely take out Sevilla from the fourth spot. So the fight is going to be very nice. Alvaro, why haven't Betis registered six of their new players? Well, they've got the same... Um, problems Barcelona. I mean, not such a depth, but uh, they've got uh, their salary, their salary mass. Uh, you know, uh, they have to, they have to thin it. Uh, they have to sell players because they are exceeding the salary cap of La Liga. Yeah. Um, William Jose, Luis Enrique, Bravo, Joaquín Guardado, and Camarasa ha haven't been registered yet. 
Eh, last week, Bartra had been sold to Trabzonspor in Turkey for 5 million. Eh, it wasn't enough eh, to, to meet La Liga's salary cap and register more players. Pellegrini doesn't know yet if these six players that I mentioned before, they will be playing against Mallorca. He doesn't know that. Eh, Borja Iglesias doesn't know what the club is doing. He admitted yesterday that uh, he doesn't know what the club is going to do to register the new players. But yes, it's a tricky one and it's a very problematic one for Betis because they've got uh, only two weeks left to register the six players left. Otherwise, they will have to sell somebody, somebody else. But what? So if if they don't sell somebody else, or if they don't get enough money in, what happens to those players that they've supposedly bought but haven't registered at the end of the transfer window? Well, you guess that uh, one of the players that they have bought, Luis Enrique, uh, defender, uh, Brazilian, he will be registered because he's very important. He's going to be very important for Betis. I think they they need a defender. Mm. But the likes of Joaquín Guardado. Claudio Bravo, especially, you know, a 38 or 39 years old goalkeeper, I guess that they could go on a free, really, because uh, there is uh, very little you can do about that. Or the, maybe Betis should try to offload them as soon as possible, really. So I think that uh, this may have a bad effect on the veteran players ahead of La Liga. Okay. But they would still be able to sell them. It's not like they would lose all rights to them if they don't register them at the end of the transfer window. Uh, well, if they belong to Betis, they they can still sell them. Yeah, definitely, right, okay. definitely. And they, and they will they will try probably to do, to do that. Uh, but at the same time, La Liga salary cap uh, has proven to be a very difficult hurdle to jump for a couple of clubs. And Betis and Barcelona are definitely suffering. Mm, all right. Uh, next up, let's find out about the Bundesliga. If you're into your tactics and football analytics and you're looking for a deeper understanding of the game, you can join me, Ali Maxwell, along with Michael Cox and the rest of the Athletics data team for our Football Tactics podcast. Find new episodes every week on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Ooh, Champions League playoffs, Tuesday, Wednesday night this week. Rangers PSV, that's probably the key matchup Tuesday night in Glasgow. Also on Tuesday, Copenhagen against Trabzonspor. And Bodo Glimt, we're taking on Dinamo Zagreb. Could the extraordinary team from inside the Arctic Circle make it into the Champions League? That's Bodo Glimt, obviously geography fans. On Wednesday, Karabag will be up against Victoria Pilsen. Which do you most want in your Champions League group stage? Same question for Maccabi Haifa and Red Star Belgrade. And Dinamo Kiev and Benfica. Jules, which of those sexy matchups are you going to be tuning into? Oh, Rangers PSV. Yep. I want to see, yeah, definitely for me, that's the, that's the pick of the bench. I see. Thank you, Jules. Rafa, Bundesliga. Woo, quite the weekend. 28 goals across your nine games, including one from Timo Werner. Woohoo! Yeah, Timo Werner scored on his comeback at Leipzig. I mean... Brilliant goal. (laughs) There was a lot of help. A lot of help from Marvin Schwebe in goal. How he let that one in, I'm not sure. I mean, this was a weekend of comebacks and goalkeeping mistakes. And in this moment, you had both. Timo coming back and a terrible goalkeeping mistake. It wasn't enough, though, for Leipzig. Uh, They only drew 2-2 at home to Köln. They had Dominik Soboslai sent off for a very petty elbow. Uh, wasn't that bad, but enough to to see red. And this is only the second point that Leipzig have picked up. Two draws in mm. two games against opposition that they would have expected to, to beat Stuttgart and Köln. 
So not a great start for them. But still, mm. I think if everything clicks with Van and Kunku striking up a relationship, then they could be very, very strong. And I'm confident that under Domenico Tedesco, they'll have a really good season. 2-2 with Köln. Köln, yeah. Do. Mm. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, sp- you spoke to Domenico Tedesco this week for The Athletic. Did he say anything nice? He said a lot of interesting things, I thought. Um, perhaps the most interesting one for me was that he he said he took notes after getting fired at Schalke and he was happy to share them okay. about all the things that uh, he would do differently, which I've never heard from from a coach before. Did you see his notes? He didn't show me the actual notes, but he, uh-huh. he shared some of the contents with me, saying that... Uh, he learned a lot about how transfers work and the risk of, of transfers. And that I think this is something that's interesting for every fan of any, any club that he said there's always a sense that transfers will, will help you and will make you better. But every transfer, he says, changes the dressing room dynamic. And this is something that Jules will be familiar with, of course, from PSG. But even at uh, smaller, uh, less star-studded teams like Schalke, I think a lot of the players that came in after they lost the likes of Tilo Kera, Goretzka, Max Meyer, it took really time to settle. And of course, they started losing and were mired in a relegation battle. And then he was fired in the second season. So a lot of, yeah, a lot of, I think, interesting things of how coaching works, how psychology works. He spoke a lot of psychology. And also, I found that interesting because he is often seen as somebody um, a little bit like Nagelsmann, who he did his uh, badges with as being tactically obsessed, a bit of a nerd, very theoretical, didn't play football himself, doesn't really know the game. But a lot of the stuff he talks about, like Nagelsmann, is actually about psychology and man management. Hmm. So, yeah, really interesting character. Uh, speaks German, Italian, Spanish, and a bit of Russian. Hmm. So, watch out, I'd say. Watch out. All right. Watch out as well for Jamie Bino gittens as you mentioned at the start. Yet another teenage Londoner lighting up the Bundesliga. It's extraordinary, Rafa. It's extraordinary, but it's not a coincidence because Dortmund are now in a position where if you're an agent of a young and upcoming Englishman, not just English, could be also French, you come to them, you say, are you interested in this guy? I know what you've done with with Sancho. I know what you're doing with Reyna. I know what you're doing with, uh, uh, with Bellingham. And they almost don't have to do the hard work anymore. I was I was told that they also looked at uh, Kani Chukwemeka, but uh, passed on him. Uh, but again, they would have, I think, had a really strong position uh, to get him, maybe before Chelsea, because, again, if where's your better chance of playing? Uh, where's the pedigree of, of bringing through youngsters? And I think there's really great hopes for him. He's looked so good in uh, this cameo against Freiburg, um, ghosted into the box, uh, really fearless running, takes on defenders, still very raw. Some of the decision-making is very poor. But I think all the ingredients are there for another top player. Mm. 18 years of age, a year older than the other sub who came on and contributed goal to turn that around, uh, Yusufa Mokoko. Yeah, another player that um, is... I think due to be to be having a big season, there's a chance for him now that Sebastian Ale is, is sadly not not there for the next few months. Uh, they brought in Anthony Mobedes, but uh, in Mukoko they have somebody who I think in terms of his potential is more exciting than Modest. Modest is a very 
seasoned veteran goal scorer but doesn't have the mobility doesn't have the acceleration and the link up play that Mukoko has and if Mukoko finds his feet and grows into this role I think this could be super exciting for them uh, especially that uh, possible link up between him Adeyemi uh, Bino Gittens uh, I hope that Reina will come back in, in being fully fit soon as well so it's it's looking good for Dortmund mm. uh, going forward Mukoko literally half modest sage no yeah, well, well, Jude Bellingham, who is 19, mm. uh, jokingly referred to Mukoko and uh, Jamie Bynagittens as his sons. Um, I think it doesn't quite work out biologically, but he has been looking after them, uh, which I think shows you just how developed and mature he is. He is that uh, a guy who's still in his teenage years is looking after after these guys. Excellent. All right. Meanwhile, top of the table with them are Bayern Munich. Uh, a quiet weekend for Bayern this time around. Only two goals against Wolfsburg. Oh, but it's another teenager who dominated in their game, Jamal Musiala again. He has an, had an absolutely outstanding start to the season. I mean, he was already looking really good towards the end of last season. He had this good game against England in the Nations League, you remember. But he's just been on fire in this new position as a as a left-sided number 10 in that 4-2-2 formation that Nagelsmann likes playing. He has more freedom and he just does things that very few players can do. Take on players at high speed, wriggle past them, then have a shot, then have the final pass. He's looked absolutely f- sensational. And that goal made it the 14th goal for a player younger uh, than, than 20 for him, uh, which was a new record because the the old record was held by a certain Uli Hoeneß hmm. from the 70s, who'd scored 13 before he was 20. You might ask, where's Gerd Müller in all of this? But he joined a little bit later, so... I was going to ask score that. that many, didn't score that many goals for, uh, for no. Bayern as a youngster. So, um, amazing, amazing, amazing player. And Lothar Mateos said, I can see Musiala becoming the best player of the world. Now... There's always a bit of hyperbole with Lothar and, you know, as a TV pundit, you're paid to have big opinions. Mm. But it doesn't sound that outlandish a sentiment on the basis of what we've seen in the last few weeks. Wow. Rough afternoon then for Wolfsburg's manager, the former Bayern boss, Niko Kovac. Yeah, Niko Kovac um, has been quietly sort of briefing people that he's very upset that uh, if only he'd had the backing that Julian Nagelsmann has this season with all the, the money that's been spent on wonderful players, he would have lasted a lot longer and done a lot better. Uh, but this is classic revisionism because when he was there, he famously said that, well, with this team, there's not a lot you can do. You can't go 200 kilometers an hour with a, with a car that only does 100. And of course, that clapped our car uh, with a weak engine, um, ended up winning six trophies uh, just a couple of months later uh, when Hansi Flick was was taken over. So it's not really, I think, the story that uh, he wants to be uh, put out there. It might be the story he's telling himself, but <laughs> it doesn't quite add up. All right. Guys, that's been an extraordinary and illuminating journey around Europe. What game should we look out for uh, this weekend? Well, I think Milan-Atalanta uh, in, in Serie A. Um, go back last year, it was a statement performance from uh, Pioli's side in, in Bergamo. There's been some doubts about Atalanta. 
uh, going into this season, uh, but they were very good at the weekend against Sampdoria. Uh, they won 2-0 and it was a reminder that uh, if Duvan Zapata and Luis Muriel are fit and play every game, then they have a chance of getting uh, into the top four. And Hedemola Lutman see... as well with a, with a goal on his debut. Yeah, as he came on for the final stages of that game and, and scored. So, um, so yeah, that's that's probably the game of the weekend in Serie A. All right, that game coming up 7.45 UK time on Sunday night in Bergamo. Jules, in Ligue 1? Yeah, Lille PSG. We'll see what Paolo Fonseca, Ooh. who's been doing a good job uh, so far, uh, especially the first game, how they will fare against PSG. And then you've got Monaco Lens, that's on Sunday night, Lille mm-hmm. PSG, and Monaco Lens on Saturday afternoon should be good. Of course, Lens, who, who broke Monaco's heart at the end of last season to, for them to finish third instead of second in the league. Indeed. Uh, Alvaro. Well, we have a Super Sunday in Spain with the uh, Athletic Club Bilbao Valencia, so the Lions against the Nice Cats. Uh, <laughs> Then followed by Atlético de Madrid Villarreal and then Real Sociedad Barcelona. So I wouldn't oh. miss any game, really. Right. Okay. Unless you were tuning into the Bundesliga, where, Rafa, what will be the pick of the fixtures? I think Saturday night, James, at your f- most favorite of clubs, Union Berlin. Ah. They're taking on RB Leipzig, which uh, I think would be very tasty for all sorts mm. of reasons. Tasty uh, as Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, because Union so have started really well. Absolutely. Union <laughs> have started really well. And RB, as we discussed earlier, need need to put some points on the board very urgently. So right. a bit well, of a needle there as well between clubs that uh, don't, of course, have any historic rivalry. But uh, Union look down on RB Leipzig perhaps even more so than other clubs because they're also you. geographically not that far away. Okay, well, how about we meet up next week to talk through what happens in those games and all the other excitements ahead of us over the next few days on the continent. For now, many, many thanks to Alvaro, James, Julian, Rafa, and producer Charlie, and you, listener. May I wish on behalf of us all that you have a great week. Of course, Totally Football Show will be back on Thursday talking about stuff. So join us for that. And for now, from all of us here, it's very much... Goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.